0: morning, our scripture reading is going to come from the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter. This is what we read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God, so you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, and in every prayer in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly, as I must speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, at this time, if you are a child in the room up to fifth grade, You are welcome to make your way out to the back to have a special time of teaching for your age specifically. This also means that you don't have to deal with me for the next 20 minutes or so. So count your blessings. Uh, Adults, you have to stay with me though, and we're going to have a a great time this morning. But parents, if you have never brought them down before, go ahead and you can take them with so they're comfortable and they're going to have a great time. Well, as they're heading out, I do want to draw your attention to our connection card, which is right in front of you in the pew. And this is a great way, an easy way to connect with us. If you have a need of some, some form, if you need us to serve you in some way, please let us know because we love to take care of you. We love. We would love to serve you, and so please let us know on that connection card. This is also a great opportunity before you forget to let us know your updated mailing address or your updated email address because we do wanna stay in contact with you, and sometimes those get Outdated. they're not up-to-date, we can't communicate with you, and so go ahead and and put that down. And then as you're walking out the door, you can just drop it in the offering plate in the back. Or if you're watching online, you just go to our website, analutheran.com. Or if you're tech-savvy in the room, you can also do that on your smartphone too and fill that out so we can serve you. Now, if you are in the room and you are a visitor this morning, Maybe someone invited you in and said, hey, come come check out our church. It's not that bad. Pastor Ben isn't that boring. Um, and, you, and they took a risk and they invited you. I would love to get to know you and love to get to know your story. And so if you fit that category, do me a favor. Take a risk, fill out a card this morning just with some information so I can get to know you better and then take it to the Welcome Center in the back. I'm gonna be back there. Pastor Eric would be back there. We would love to get to know you and your stories. you get to know us as a church family. So uh, do me that favor. Plus, if you do that, I have a special gift for you this morning. I have a New Life tumbler with some information about our church so you can get to know us better. And there's a coupon in there for a free drink at Joyous Java so you can walk out with a pumpkin spice latte or whatever suits your fancy today. And so let us bless you in that way as we get to know you. Well, I'm, I'm Pastor Ben. If you've been around here for a while, you might have noticed that my voice is a little bit different than normal. I'm fighting a little something here, and my voice is a little bit goofy. So if I take a few more sips of my tea this morning, that's what's going on. So uh, please just offer me a little bit of grace. But as we continue our series this morning, I need to bring you back to 2014. And it was a time when I was uh, serving in a church in New Mexico, and I was taking a group of middle school and high school students up to Denver, Colorado for our missions trips, and we had a, a great time. We had a great time. We were connecting with one another. We were connecting with other church groups who had joined us and partnered with us in this mission, and we were connecting with the people of Denver, especially those in need, and we we're doing all sorts of uh, service there and sharing God's word there in after-school programs. We were painting houses. We were working at the food shelf. We were doing all sorts of things to, to care for the people of, of Denver, Well, if you've been on one of these trips before, you know that typically one of those nights, if it's run by an organization, they will take you to a special place in that region of the world. And that's exactly what they did. They said, jump in your bus and come follow us. And so we did, we got our buses full and we began to follow them outside of Denver and up this hill. And when we got to this hill, we realized that they had brought us to a memorial overlooking a high school. Now the high school was Columbine High School. If that name sounds familiar, it probably should. In 1999, Columbine High School became uh, national news when two high school seniors came in loaded with weapons, killed 13 and wounded 20 more and it became the biggest school shooting in U.S. history. And so as we unloaded out of the bus, we were at the memorial. And I prepared the kids once I realized what was going on for what they were about to experience. And they got off the buses quietly and they began to look at every one of the memorials, which told the story of the victim and the story of, of Columbine. And they just quietly made their way around. When we finally got back onto the bus, we went out for dinner. Then we did a little, you know, question answer. We decompressed a little bit, and and I said, "What did you read? What did you find? What did you learn?" And they told stories, and then I told my story because I was in high school during this time. Now, I wasn't in Denver. I wasn't in that area. I was in Minnesota, but if you were in high school during this time, you understand that this was a, a huge thing in your life. It was very impactful. In fact, it changed how schools operated after this moment. It changed everything, and so I told them the story of what it was like to be in high school during that time, and as we shared our stories, as I shared my story, I saw some of the kids had tears running down their face. But it wasn't because of my story, and it wasn't because I'm such a a great communicator. The reason these kids had tears running down their face is because just six months previous, in the area of New Mexico that I was serving, we had our very own school shooting. The 12-year-old boy came in with a shotgun, came into the cafeteria where all the kids were gathered, shot two students, right in front of some of the students that I had brought on this mission trip. You see, these school shootings will always be known as great acts of evil. Acts of evil that have always been around in our world. Acts of evil that that the Apostle Paul was very familiar with. In fact, the Apostle Paul was a part of putting acts of evil into the world as a persecutor of the church before Christ grabbed hold of his heart. So as we enter into this book that he wrote to this church of Ephesus today, I want you to be thinking about that. Thinking about that, that reality has always been the case, and this is what Paul is speaking into for us this morning. He starts this way. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. So as we step back into Ephesians today, and we've done this many times throughout this series, right? The whole series has been built around Ephesians. We see that Paul is bringing this conversation to a close. He, he's exhausted all the angles. He has been talking about this idea that we are better together, that God's ultimate goal is to connect us with him and connect us with one another in the family of Christ, that we are to love God and, and love others. And Paul is saying, hey, I have, I have done my job, I've completed my task, and, and I have told you what I needed you to know, and he's bringing it to a close. And some of you, just like Paul is saying, thinking, finally, (laughs) right? We've been at this for six weeks, and and maybe you've actually taken a step further. Because at the beginning, I said, you know, commit to this conversation. Come here every week or join us online every week or some hybrid of the two. In fact, maybe you might want to take a step further and step into a, a life group focused on this Better Together series. And maybe some of you have taken that step and just tried out a life group for the first time. And maybe some of you actually went even a step further and you've been reading Pastor Eric's devotionals on this topic in this conversation. And you've learned a lot, but you're thinking, you know what, I'm good. (laughs) I've completed the task. I I think I've got what God wants me to know. And so if you fit into that realm, I have some some, uh, good news and bad news for you this morning. The good news is that today's conversation that Paul's going to have with us, that God is going to have with us, is going to be maybe one of the most significant conversations that you've ever had. Paul is going to teach us how to find unity in a world that is incredibly disunified. That's the good news. The bad news is we actually have one more week of this, but the good news is this. We're going to jump back into the middle of Ephesians and close out our series with some words that are so important that Paul has for us. Words that as we've learned to become better together and connected to one another, Paul's going to give us very practical, practical ideas of how not to get disconnected from one another now that we've, we've come so far. And so here's Paul. Paul is going to end where he began. He's going to take us back to the major point that God's ultimate goal Is for us to be connected with Him and connected with one another, right? In Christ Jesus. And through Christ Jesus, we are connected with God, and we are connected together with the family of Christ. And so this is what Paul says next. He says, put on the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So Paul, time and time and time and time again, has focused on this idea of being better together, connected with one another, loving one another. And then he drops in this metaphor, which is so strange because he's talking about armor. And and armor is not something that we need when we're connected with one another, right? When we love each other. Right, it's not like you're gonna go home later tonight and before you go to bed, you're gonna to say to your wife, Well, let me put my armor on. Right? You don't wrap yourself in armor and then lay next to your wife. You don't you don't wrap yourself in armor and, and lay down for bed. No, what do you do instead? You get on your pajamas. You put on that old high school t-shirt, you put on those shorts, and you lay down and you fall asleep, and when you fall asleep, you are vulnerable, aren't you? But you don't care and you sleep peacefully because you trust the person next to you. You trust the people that are in your house because you know they're not going to do you damage. See, the only reason we put up armor is because we're scared of someone hurting us. But even though you don't wear armor to bad, this is what you do, do, don't you? You lock the doors, you check the windows. Maybe you have a security system and you turn on the security system. You make sure all the cameras are functioning We all have things put in place to defend us from the outside world. Because we might trust the people in our house, but we don't trust everyone else. And not only do we do this at home, but we do this in life, don't we? When we live out our lives and we think someone is going to attack us or hurt us or, or do damage to us, what do we do? We get defensive. Sometimes it's a physical posture. Sometimes it's just an attitude. We, we, we want to block them out. We want to protect ourselves from them. And we do do this successfully, right? When we get defensive, we do protect ourselves, but we also alienate these people as well, which actually goes against the goal of God, right? Which is to love God and love others and, and be connected through Jesus Christ. So why would Paul talk about armor? Which is something we put on for battle. Well, the reason Paul is talking about armor is because Paul had a very different viewpoint on who our enemy is. Because God has a very different viewpoint on who our enemy is. What does Paul say? He says, our enemy is not those with flesh and blood. It's not those with a beating heart in their chest. It's not our teammate. It's not our coworker. It's not that kid who treats us so poorly in school. It's not that person who's suing us or accusing us. Those are not the enemies. Paul says there is one enemy. Satan and his team, right? It's the dark forces of this world. This is the enemy. And because this is the enemy, this is what Paul says next. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand. Once again, who who is the enemy? Who are you battling against? It's not the people we see. It's not the people in this room. It's not the people in our community or even the people on the globe that we might consider an enemy to us or an enemy to our country. No, the enemy is Satan and his team, which is far more scary because Satan is not going to stop. He he is a relentless foe, and he is a powerful foe. You see, we do have enemies in in our world, but we can keep them at bay. We can do things. We can become defensive. We can stop them. But Satan is far too superior to us, and that's why Paul says, because your foe is so great, put on the armor of God, which is baptismal language, Right? we take off our old self. We put on our new self, And as Paul says this, this would be completely in keeping with how the people in this day viewed the world. You see, the people that Paul was talking to and the people in the line of the history of Scripture, they had a very unique idea of what they thought about armor. You see, they had this belief system that in the armor, that the armor was actually imbued with the power of the previous warrior and then given to the next person to wear the armor. Think about it. Remember that story about David and Goliath that you learned about in Sunday school or your mom read to you before you went to bed? What does Saul do when the little boy David goes out to fight the giant? He gives him his armor that was never going to fit. Saul was a grown man and a large man at that. And so to put his armor on a little boy is ridiculous. But what was the thought process? that he was going to imbue this little boy with his warrior power. Now, of course, David doesn't need that, right? He takes it off. He uses God's power. He he kills the giant. But what does David do after that? He takes Goliath's armor, armor that was gonna be far too big even when he grew up to wear, and he puts it in his tent because this is how they saw armor. Now, with this in mind, think about the power of Paul's words right now. Think about the power of God's words for us right now. He says, we are to put on the armor of God. Not our our armor, not someone else's armor, not Saul's armor or David's armor or Goliath's armor. God's armor imbued with his power. This is the way that we stop the foe from destroying us. So what does this armor look like? Well, Paul tells us, He says, stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. So now we have truth and we have righteousness. But once again, whose armor is this? It's not our armor. It's not our truth. It's not our righteousness. It's not like we work really hard and we we build up, we get stronger, and then we're righteous enough to withstand the enemy. No, it's God's truth and God's righteousness. Because no matter how much you know truth and how much, how much you might be considered righteous by the world, if Satan attacks your truth and, and your righteousness, he's going to cut through that like butter. That's not armor at all. So Paul says, put on God's truth and, and God's righteousness. And Paul continues. He says, as shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. So he moves to the footwear. Now, when Paul says this, it doesn't make much sense to us, but but in this day, they had a very clear picture of what soldiers would wear. To us, it would look like cleats, like football cleats. They had these things in the bottom that would held them fast. When the enemy would attack, they they could dig their feet in and they could get into a defensive position and, and not lose momentum. In fact, sometimes they could even push against the weight of the enemy. Paul continues to share what this armor looks like. With all these, take the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And now he moves on to the, the shield of faith. And this is, this is really beautiful. Right? The shield of faith that protects us from, from the flaming arrows. I get this picture of, of all these arrows falling from the sky, and, and you're just sitting there protecting yourself with this shield. But what is this shield? The shield is faith, which is what gives us hope as believers in the darkest of times. Because there are times in our life, isn't it? It feels like this, where we have our shield and we get hit by something in our life that's just devastating. And we think, well, surely this has to be the last bad thing that happens to me. And then right about that time, the next arrow hits and the next arrow hits and the next arrow hits and the next arrow hits. And it's just relentless. But we get through that with the hope that we have in our faith. But I love what Paul says here. It's more than that. He says, these flaming arrows, when they hit the shield, the fire goes away, which means there's no collateral damage, which means as God fills us with this faith and we begin to trust him and have this hope, and even the darkest of times, it actually begins to affect those around us, that we actually protect those around us with the shield because the, the flaming arrows are extinguished and they don't do damage anymore. Well, Paul closes out this conversation about armor. He says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So he closes with salvation and the word of God. Around new life, we would call that transformed heart, transformed lives. Right, it's through the working of the Holy Spirit that God awakens us and, and makes us alive and instills faith into us. And because of that, we are saved for the next life. And we're saved while we wait the next life, right? That's our transformed heart. And then through the working of the word of God, not only do we know that truth, but begin to walk in that truth. And it changes our mind of how we see the world, how we interact with people, how we treat our spouse, how we treat our coworker, how, how we treat the people that, that we are in charge of, Right, it changes everything, and it transforms our lives and how we interact with people. Now, as we've made our way all the way through this armor, you might be thinking, this is an interesting set of armor. And maybe you're really, really bright, and, and you might be thinking, you know what? That armor is primarily defensive, right? Because we have the belt that just holds everything in place, so, so we won't take a shot somewhere. We've got the breastplate of righteousness. We've got the shoes. We've got the helmet. We've got the shield. We even have the sword, which 50% of the time, the sword is a defensive weapon to block off the attacks of those around us. This seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Why is most of this armor defensive? Where's our offensive weapons, right? I want a spear. I want a bow and arrow. Well, the reason that Paul doesn't mention this it's because Paul knows something that we need to know. You see, Paul knows very clearly that we are not the hero of the story. You are not the hero of the story. You never were the hero of the story. Jesus is always the hero of the story. He is always the one who defeats the enemy. We are like a child hiding in a classroom. And the teacher has has barred the door shut and she's flipped some tables and we're hiding behind and we're texting our parents goodbye. Someone's calling 911 and we are crying out for help. We are praying out to God. This is who we are in the story. And this is why Paul closes with this. Pray in the spirit at all times. In every prayer and supplication To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all of the saints. What is our role in this cosmic battle? To pray, to cry out, to scream out for help. We pray for ourselves, we we pray for other believers, we pray for the world, we cry out to the hero of the conversation, which is Jesus Christ. So in two thousand. 14, six months before I took these students to Denver, I got a phone call. And on the other line, someone said, There has been a shooting at one of the schools. Come quick. But when I received this phone call, I did not receive the phone call because I was a local pastor. I received the phone call because I was his pastor. And not the pastor of one of the victims. I was the pastor of the shooter. You see, this is the story that we don't hear a lot of. The story of a little boy raised by great Christian parents. They were in church every weekend. He'd gone through the children's ministry and through the middle school ministry. His his older brother was one of the great leaders in the youth ministry that we had. He was playing the drums on Sunday, playing the drums for the youth. This was the little boy who brought a shotgun into our middle school and shot two classmates. You see, this little boy had the lies of the enemy spoken into his ear day after day after day after day, that the torment that you're feeling, there's only one way out, and this is the way out. This is why Paul tells us to pray, because our enemy is very real. Our enemy is very powerful. So we are to pray to God to protect us, to watch over us, to to put his armor around us. We are to pray for other believers that God would protect them and watch over them and, and put his armor around them. We are to pray for our world, that he would put his armor on the world by drawing them into the family of faith. And Jesus specifically says what? And pray for your enemies. Pray for those who have been overcome by evil. That Satan is, is using them as a pawn. Because we have one enemy. And it's not you. It's not me. And it's not anyone else with a beating heart. We have one enemy and he is powerful. And so we cry out to God, the hero of the story. We cry out to Jesus, the hero of the story. And we say, Jesus, wrap us in your oversized armor. Because his armor is so great, there's room for all of us. Let's pray.